Thank you. Fantastic. Good morning. Oh, we had some squeals, which is good. So we're catching up to the children. Fantastic. Who's, who is excited to be in church this morning? Isn't it great to be in the house of God? You know, last week I had a tough week and then I was just busy and we're overwhelmed with all these things we're doing. And last week just came into church and wasn't expecting anything. I was just like, you know, just got to do, do your thing. And at the end of the service I felt, I feel different. There's something that's shifted in my spirit because God's presence is here. And, and he actually shifts you and shapes you and moves you when you get into his presence. And so it is good to be in the house of God. Let's pray before we start. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you that you change our hearts. We thank you that you transform us from the inside out. And so we open our hearts to you, Lord, this morning. And we pray that you would open our hearts to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Fantastic. Fantastic. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm excited to hear the word this morning. So we've got a nice short message for you because this morning is, uh, we don't really have a title for it, so I'm just going to make up a title. Uh, let's call it Thanks for Giving Sunday. Is that all right? Thanks for Giving Sunday. It's like a play on Thanksgiving, but thanks for Giving Sunday. So uh, we've got a little special presentation by the pastors after the message. So I'm going to keep mine nice and short. We've been doing a series of, uh, we've been going through Christmas carols, looking at some Christmas carols and taking inspiration from them on the road to Christmas. And so this morning I wanted to take some inspiration from the Christmas carol, Mary Did You Know? And so we're just going to start by watching, watching Mary Did You Know. So fix your eyes on the screen.
Wow. Mary, did you know? What do you think? Do you think Mary knew? If you, if you look at the biblical account, unless there was a whole bunch of other stuff talked about that wasn't recorded, well, she probably didn't know the whole picture. The angel comes and tells her, hey, you're going to have a son born by the Holy Spirit and he's going to be called great. You should call him Jesus. And it doesn't, the angel doesn't go on to say exactly what's going to happen. It doesn't say he's going to calm a storm. He's going to heal a blind man. He's going to uh, raise people from the dead. So, so did she know? Well, probably not. Probably not. But I love that song because it paints a picture for me of Mary holding baby Jesus. And here is one of the most powerful, most significant, not one of, the most significant human to ever walk on this earth. And he's in a form which is so seemingly insignificant and, and powerless. And, and so I started to think about that and I thought, if you were planning Jesus' coming, think about it. God could have done anything. God could have opened the heavens and sent chariots of fire. I don't know what, not the song. He's not playing the song out of heaven. He could have sent chariots and Jesus could have come down as a fully grown human and said, I have arrived. I am the Savior. And yet he didn't. He sent a baby boy. And so we get this picture which tells us something about God, which is that I think God loves a bit of humility. God loves humility because he could have come with grandiose and, and there were signs that pointed to this coming, and yet the form that he took was seemingly insignificant. And so the song to me is an image of the kingdom of God, and it says this, God is in the insignificant. So why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, God is in the insignificant. If you don't have someone next to you, you can... Just mumble it to yourself, that's fine. You see, Jesus was to become the saviour of mankind and here he is as a baby in a manger. Mary is entrusted with the huge responsibility of giving birth to and raising the Son of God and here she is, she's young she's, and she's a poor woman and yet she's the one that's chosen for the task. It seems to me that God loves humility. God is in the insignificant. And you and I face the same thing in our lives. We meet people all the time who are seemingly insignificant. But you never truly know the impact of what you do, of what you say, and of how you interact with those people. You never truly know somebody else's value, and you never know who that someone is going to become. But what we need to remember is that God is in the insignificant. And as I was preparing this message, I really felt to remind us that Jesus is in the insignificant. And as we go into this Christmas period, we spend a lot of money and time giving gifts to our friends and our family. But we need to remember that sometimes there's insignificant people, seemingly insignificant people, that God calls us to reach out to and show his love to. 
So turn with me to Matthew chapter 25, verse 31, and we're going to read all the way through to verse 46. And now I'm wishing I hadn't done this up so tight. It says this, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates a sheep from the goats. So apparently that's something you do when the, when the sheep and the goats come in at the end of the day. Apparently uh, sheep like to stay uh, undercover and goats like to stay outside. Or possibly the other way around, I can't remember exactly. So they go about their business of separating the sheep and the goats. It says, He will put the sheep on his right and his goats and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Okay, so it's gone away from the farming analogy now. He's, uh, he's not just teaching you how to herd goats and sheep. He's talking about the end times when Jesus will come again and call his flock to him and say, you are those that belong to me. So he says, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you look after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he'll say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger. You did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to enter eternal life. That's a pretty serious statement, isn't it? The way you treat people who are inferior to you is how you treat Jesus. Because Jesus is in the insignificant So when you meet somebody who seems to be seemingly insignificant, Jesus is saying, I'm in that person. And the way that you treat them shows me the way that you treat me. That's, is anyone pretty powerful, right? So so this Christmas, when you encounter someone who seems to be insignificant or unimportant, Jesus, you can think to yourself, Jesus is that person. So perhaps normally when you might feel uncomfortable or awkward or, you know, there's people that you avoid at a party. Is it just me? You feel like, oh, it's going to be awkward talking to that person or, or, or it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard work or they're going to make me feel uncomfortable. 
often, often the people that we need to love are the ones that are the hardest to love. So I'm a filmmaker and, uh, and we've been working on making our first feature film. And this year we've been putting together a list of the cast members that we want to cast in one of the lead roles. And so you start looking at all the actors around that, uh, that you might like to cast that might be good for the role. And you kind of you, you aim for the top, right? And so you put down, you, you just go for the people that you've seen in big movies that you like. So you write them down. And then you start thinking about, ah, oh, what if they actually said yes? And then you think to yourself, I'm going to have to direct that person. Sometimes they're rich, sometimes they're famous, sometimes they're very powerful in the movie world. And I start thinking to myself, gosh, what would I say? I don't know if I'd, how do I act around that person? I start to worry about all the things that I'm going to do right or do wrong. And, uh, and, and I start to worry. And maybe you've got something, someone like that in your world where it's like maybe it's your boss or maybe it's somebody who you know who's powerful or wealthy and you start to think to yourself, oh, I've got to make a good impression, right? And I have to be good to them and serve them well and all those sorts of things because they're in a position of superiority, right? Is anyone with me this morning? Is anyone awake? Hello. Down the back, hello. Hi. So... We've got these people that we're looking up to and thinking, oh gosh, how am I going to talk to them? How am I going to work this? But here, Jesus is showing us that he's painting a very different picture, isn't he? Because by his standards, we should be most concerned about how we treat the people who are seemingly unimportant, those who are inferior to us rather than superior to us. So my question to you this morning is, how much time are we spending thinking about how we're going to talk to our boss? And how much time are we spending thinking about how we treat the person who, who we just walk past every day, who we don't know or who might be in need in some way? And I love that Jesus sets a great example of humility. Because with all the, all the power and importance that he has, he could have been really wealthy. Think about it. He's got the power of God. He could have said it's $10 for a healing, it's $20 for a miracle, and it's $30 if you want to be raised from the dead. He could have been really rich, right? And he could have sat around on big lounge chairs picking grapes and someone had one of the disciples fanning him with a, with a palm leaf. And yet he didn't. Jesus chose to wash his disciples' feet. He chose to serve those around him. And so he paints a completely different picture to the world. He says, what I want you to do is not lord things over other people, but rather serve people. Be a servant. To those around you. Found a story about some students at a religious institute and they were enrolled in a class which was about the life of Jesus. And they arrive at their classroom to take their final exam and on the door of the exam room they find a notice and it says that the exam has changed location and the room that the exam will be held in is on the other side of campus. And so all the students, every, t- every, every person who gets there, they read the notice and they rush off because they've got to get to the other side of campus by the, before the exam starts. So they're all rushing along. And as they're rushing along to the other side of campus, uh, each of them is confronted by a homeless man and he's asking them for help. And none of the students stop for him because they're all rushing past to get to the exam. They're anxious to arrive on time. When they arrive at the exam, the lecturer is waiting for the students 
And he explains to them that the homeless man who was asking for help was an actor. And he was planted by the lecturer. Because they'd been studying all semester long about the life of Jesus. And so he said, because you did not demonstrate that you'd acquired any compassion while studying the life of Jesus, you've failed your exam. And so, in fact, there was no written exam. The exam was practical. And it came out of the blue, halfway through, during the busyness of life. Your life and my life is a little bit like an exam. We need to put into action what Jesus teaches us to pass the exam. It's no good just memorizing everything and doing nothing about it or, or reading it and, and then memorizing it in maybe you want to go back to the original language, the Hebrew and the Aramaic. And it's, like, it's like having a manual for a car and being so excited about this new car that you've got that you spend hours poring over the manual and, and then you learn the, you get the manual in German because it's a VW, so you want to get it in the original language, and you memorize the whole manual. And if you never drive the car, you've, you've missed the point. And so this Christmas, I had some ideas about how we can apply this. You might be inventive and think of some other ways, but here's my ideas. You could spend a little bit of extra time at the kids' table at Christmas. You could go and talk to the kids. You could take a moment to sit down with the elderly people in your family, hold their hand and thank them for all that they are and all that they've done. Don't plonk yourself down at the head of the table. Offer the position of honour to somebody else. Jesus taught specifically on that. Don't call shotgun on the front seat. Offer the front seat in the car on the way to somebody else. Open your eyes to those who are in need. Open your hearts to help them. Maybe you and your family could sponsor a child. Perhaps you can add a charity donation to the list of the things you're giving to at Christmas. All of us always need to look around and ask, who is sitting on their own? Who can I include? Who can I serve? Who can I love? And as I said before, it's often the person who's hardest to love that needs our love the most. Jesus says, whatever you do for, the, for one of the least of these brothers and sisters, you do for me. So as you serve others, you serve Jesus. As you love others, you love Jesus. As you accept others, you accept Jesus. Jesus is in the insignificant. So I'm going to finish uh, with a story about J. John. He tells a story about... J. John is an English canon in the Anglican Church and he tells a story about when he first became a Christian. He used to have a meal every Wednesday with his friend Andy and he explains it that him and his friend Andy, his Andy built, his friend Andy built a bridge from Andy to J. John and when he did, Christ Jesus walked over it. And so one night, J. John decides to give his life to Jesus, he prays a prayer, he asks Christ into his life. And the next day, as he's walking to college, he walks about a mile from his house to college, he sees a homeless man on the side of the road. And he, he sort of, he feels something. He's moved. And he's, he didn't understand fully what it was at the time, but now he would look back and say, God got his attention. You know when you get the quiver in the liver, the Holy Spirit says, hey, Hey, 
hey, pay attention. So he got the quiver in the liver, and he saw the homeless man there, and he said, hey, have you had breakfast? He said, I haven't had breakfast. He says, come on, let me buy you breakfast. So he takes him out and goes and eats breakfast with him, and he says, where, so where do, you, where do you normally hang out? And he says, where you, where you saw me. And he says, yeah, yeah, but, but, like, but normally, where do you hang out? He says, you know where you saw me, yeah, that's where I normally hang out. And so J. John says, if he was telling the truth, that means October, November, December, January, February, five months, Monday to Friday, I've walked past a homeless man and never noticed him. And then the next day, after accepting Jesus, all of a sudden I'm seeing homeless people. It's like a sixth sense. I see, it's instead, of, instead of seeing dead people, you see homeless people. But it's because Jesus changes our heart. It's not just an intellectual decision to say, Jesus, I want you in my life. He changes our heart so that we feel different. We care different. And so he started seeing homeless people. I want to pray together, you and me, right here this morning, that we would open our hearts, that we would open our ears to hear the quiver in the liver, that we would open our hearts to those around us and be able to see them, see the people who are in need. So why don't you stand with me? We're going to pray. Why don't you just close your eyes? Perhaps you can lift your hands. Like you're ready to receive. Bible says, create in me a clean heart. Bible says, be transformed by the daily renewal of your mind. So each day we need to come before God and ask Him to transform us. Ask Him to give us His heart and His mind. Right now, Holy Spirit, I ask that in each one of us you would transform our hearts that we might see the cross, that we might see your sacrifice, that we might see your love for us and for others. And that would lead us to have the same love, the same grace, the same mercy. We pray, Father, that our eyes would be opened to see those who are in need, to see the insignificant. We pray for courage for those who are awkward to talk to, we pray for, for, for boldness and confidence as we step out and do which is sometimes uncomfortable. Change our hearts, God, and open our eyes. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I want to do one last thing before we finish. If you're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus into your life, you know, Jesus, 
He offers forgiveness from the past, a whole new life today, and a hope for the future. It's not about what you can do to please God. It's about asking Him to come into your life. And I want to offer you the opportunity to do that this morning. We'll pray a prayer together that asks Jesus to come into your heart. It's a simple prayer. I'm going to ask you to do that just by indicating that you're here and you want to do that by putting up your hands So, in just a moment. So if you're here this morning and you would like to give your life to Jesus, maybe for the first time, maybe you've done it in the past and you want to come back this morning. Or maybe you're just not sure if you died tomorrow whether or not you'd go to heaven. It's the same thing. Jesus said, nobody comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So if you want to do that this morning, I'm going to ask you to put your hand up. Can everyone just close your eyes and bow your head so that nobody's looking around? I said before that our life is a little like an exam. At the end of our life, we're going to be marked. It's a simple pass or fail. And the criteria is not, thank you, I see that hand. The criteria is not how hard you worked. It's about whether or not you chose to follow Jesus. And that's because at the end of the life, at the end of your life, it's like you get to swap the exam paper. Jesus takes the exam for you. So that's what you're doing here this morning when you ask him to come into your life. Is there anyone else here this morning who wants to make that decision and ask Jesus to come into their life, to be their Lord and their Savior? If that's you, just lift your hand up so I can see it. And we'll pray together as well. Fantastic. All right, you can, you can open your eyes. So uh, the person who raised their hand, I'm going to ask you to do something brave and just come, come forward and we'll pray together. Would you just come out and stand with me? We're all going to pray together. Awesome. Fantastic. Congratulations. All right, so we're just going to pray. I'm going I'm to say something and then you can repeat after me, okay? So, but if we could all pray this together. So, dear Jesus, I'm sorry for what I've done in the past. And I turn from my sin. I accept you as my Lord and as my Savior. And I'll follow you from this day forward. Fantastic. Would you just reach your hands out? We're going to pray together. Do you want to just close your eyes for a second? Father, I pray you'd fill Theo with your spirit right now. Thank you, Lord. Make your presence known. Jesus, come and make your home inside his heart. Thank you, Father, that you're all about transforming lives. And I pray you'd begin this journey of faith. In Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Fantastic. Let's give him a round of applause.
ensemble.